Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what is up, my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. My name is Grant Baldwin. Good to have you here with us today. Hey, we got a great show for you today. Really excited about this. As you may know, we are in the midst of 30 episodes in 30 days during the month of April, one episode every day. So uh, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show. We don't want you to miss out on any of these. Literally, literally every single day, we are doing a, uh, a new show, new episode. A lot of these are listener Q&As. A lot of these are interviews. So we got a good mix. Hey, also, if you haven't already, as you may know, we do a a lot of live online trainings teaching you all about how to find and book speaking engagements. So uh, whether you are brand new, wh whether you've been doing this for a little while, we're going to teach you all about the uh, the business of speaking and how to find and book speaking engagements. So if you'd like to join us for our next live online training, you can go to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. We would love to have you participate, be a part of that, check it out. You can stay at home. You can stay in your jammy jams and uh, tune in for that. So we'd love to have you join us again. You can find that and register for that for free over at freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, today we're going to be talking to my buddy Jason Zook, who is a, um, he's just a good dude. He's ridiculously tall. You, you don't realize how tall he is, and the podcast isn't going to do it justice for his height. But uh, Jason is a guy who has just a, a crazy story. He's a guy who has had a, uh, had a couple different books. He has had a book that was completely sponsored, like as in like every single page of the book he built sponsorships for and found sponsorships for. He used to run a t-shirt company called I Wear Your Shirt, where uh, he got shirts or he got companies to sponsor him wearing a t-shirt every single day. The guy actually sold his last name before, literally sold his last name. I'm not making that up uh, and found a sponsor for his last name. So bottom line is this, not only is he a great guy, but he is a uh, speaker. He's done a lot in the speaking industry, done a lot of speaking, but also the guy knows a ton about sponsorships. And so this is what we're going to be talking about in depth today is how do you actually find sponsorships for speaking engagements? Is that possible? Possible? Is that a thing? So we go in deep with uh, with Jason on that today. So really excited to share this one with you. This is one I've been looking forward to a long time. Uh, so let's get into it, my friends. Here's my conversation, my chit chat with my buddy Jason Zook. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab. Today we are joined by my buddy Jason Zook, who is about seven foot four and uh, <laughs> one of the nicest guys I know. What's up, buddy? How are you? Grant, good to be here. That is a lie. Now everyone's going to be like, hey, you're not Sasquatch. Grant said you were Sasquatch. Uh, what size shoe do you wear? I do wear size 16 shoe. That's so big, I may. Like, I is know, that like I'm, a custom thing? Like, I don't like just thinking about like going to like I have I wear, I think, a 13. So that's, that's ooh, a decent size. Yeah, that's but pretty. Like, I see 13s, but I don't see like six. And now granted, I'm not looking, but 
Are no, they? yeah. At, at stores, it's like 14 is pretty much the highest they go, and then you got to order everything online. So luckily, things like Zappos exist, and so I can easily get shoes in the Bohemoth Sasquatch section. But also, shout out to Oddball Shoes. If there are any like big-footed people listening, Oddball Shoes is only shoes for big people, So, which is kind of fun. I like it. How tall are you? Yeah. I am actually six foot five. Six foot. That's still that's good size. Yeah, that's good size for a human. Know. Thank you. I appreciate it. I try. We have already lost a lot of listeners, <laughs> like, or we've heck? gained a whole new audience, which is good. People are tuning in by in by the droves right now. Okay, there's a couple things I want us to cover. A couple things I want us to talk about. One of the things that that you are really really good at and known for is some of the sponsorship stuff and how to use sponsors in a variety of different ways in business. So uh, I want us to come back and talk about that in a little bit about how to create you know sponsorships and partnerships for speaking gigs and getting paid for speaking gigs. But I want to start where you yourself have done a lot of speaking. So kind of talk us through what your business is like and kind of how speaking has been a part of that in the past. Yeah, I actually stumbled into speaking in 2009. You know, I got my entrepreneurial start with this I Wear Your Shirt business, which, you know, was just crazy in itself. But someone emailed me and just said, hey, Jason, will you come talk about this business to some like not small nonprofit group? And I obviously knew what public speaking was, but I had never done it. I didn't know anything. And literally, I just showed up and I just thought I would just hop on stage. And they're like, oh, where are your slides? I'm like, what do you mean my slides? Like I'm picturing like little kid, like playground slides. Like I was supposed to bring an ironic slide or something. And they're like, no, like your presentation. I'm like, oh, I was just going to stand up and talk. Like I I thought, I don't know. Uh, So I kind of just threw myself into this thing, didn't do any research, did nothing. And I found that, I don't know, for me, that was the best way to start because it didn't set me up for any specific like type of speaking, you know, like, Oh yeah, you have to do the 10, 20, 30 slide rule when I make presentations or, you know, I have to like move around the stage. I just stood up there and I just was myself and I just tried to be as me as possible. And the first speaking gig went totally fine. I didn't bomb. I didn't do anything embarrassing. I got some good laughs and I quickly realized, and I know that you've talked about this and you know, this feeling there's no feeling other than being up on stage speaking like right when you're done. You know, when you when you give a good talk and when the crowd is energized, man, I, I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is a, like a dopamine rush like I haven't had in a long time. How do I do more of this? And I didn't get another speaking gig for a year. <laughs> but I was super excited and I really enjoyed, you know, what that was like. And I then went on to do, I think I've done like I don't know, 75 total gigs, you know, made about a quarter of a million dollars in speaking fees since then. But, it, you know, it's it's never been like my full-time focus, but it's always been something that's been great for business, great for my own personal journey of just growing and becoming better at, you know, talking to people and telling my story um, and a bunch of stuff I know, again, like you talk about a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's just been it's been fun for the past couple of years. And to tease it out there, you have the just one of the most fascinating, crazy, ridiculous stories that any human can have. So if people want to hear more about your background story and, and selling your last name, running t-shirt businesses and all of the, the fun that goes along with that, uh, we did a previous podcast episode on the, on the other show that I did. How did you get into that episode 51 that we will link up if, if people are interested in hearing more of that backstory. But uh, I'm curious. So you, you do that very first gig. You, you do have that rush of just like, and you're right, that it is just this amazing feeling, this euphoric feeling that is hard to to duplicate or replicate in other ways, but then you go the year of silence with nothing. So how did you continue to like add bookings and to get bookings and to begin to kind of go from doing this one-off thing that was kind of fun and a cool feeling to making it a bigger part of your business? Yeah, it, it kind of boiled down to like anything else in business where if you just kind of sit back and you wait for things to happen, 
nothing is going to happen. I mean, maybe you'll get lucky every once in a while and something will show up in your inbox, but that's what I was doing. Because I had that first one show up in my inbox, I was just waiting. I was just sitting around going, well, why isn't anybody asking me? Well, it's because, number one, they didn't even know I did it. Right. And number two, you know, people didn't know that I had a story to tell or that I was any good at it. So you know, I kind of realized – okay, if I want to do this, it's like anything else. I need to promote it. I need to come up with a good story of why people should hire me to do it. I need to give them a, a value proposition of, of sorts, which we'll talk about when we talk about sponsorship stuff. And so I really just started emailing people. I emailed, you know, and I started with my own contact list and I emailed about 50 people. And this is how I start everything. I always start with my immediate contacts. And it's not like I know Richard Branson and Elon Musk. I don't know anybody special. I know my friends. I know you. I know companies that I've worked with. And I just email them and I go, hey, I'm thinking about doing more public speaking. I did this gig last year. You know, I'm not even looking to get paid right now. I just want to get out and get my name out there and get better at telling my story and have fun with this. And the other thing that I knew is that I didn't have to get paid to speak early on because when I was on stage in the first one and I talked about I Reassure, I actually made like $5,000 in sales right after the event. Like people rushed to my website to, to give me money for the thing that I was selling. And this is something that obviously, you know, public speaking is so great for that you don't have to get paid to speak. You can, you know, very subtly promote whatever you're working on. And if you tell great stories, people will want to buy it. And so I just started reaching out to people and asking them, who do you know? Because I didn't know any public speaking like bureaus. I didn't know any events that needed speakers. But all my friends might have known somebody. And so slowly but surely, I just started to get introductions, started to get recommendations. And it was because I went to people who trusted me. They knew me. They knew I could deliver. They knew I wouldn't get, you know, do an event and then bomb and I would be terrible. And so that's really how I got started. And in 2010, I think I did maybe 10 talks. And in 2011, I think I did about 50 talks. And it was a lot. I mean, it was literally almost every single week I was, well, pretty much every single week I was on the road, if not twice, uh, going places and speaking. And, and that's where I started to, it was more of like a business thing. But yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got started from, you know, the first gig to starting with my contact list to reach out to people. We kind of alluded to it and touched on it that you, like you do have a, a, a crazy fascinating story of you've sold your last name twice, correct? Mm -hmm. You had a t-shirt company where people would basically, companies would pay you to wear their shirt. You had other people that were a part of this. So, I mean, you've done some like crazy fascinating things that naturally makes for a, an interesting story to tell and an interesting story that people want to hear. Do you think that you would have had the, like gained the traction that you did as a speaker had you not had some of those experiences or had some of those stories to tell? You know, it's interesting. I think back to like my early gigs and those stories, I think they were so far out there that people didn't even comprehend like how it would fit into their <laughs> event. So it was more like, hey, I'll talk about innovative marketing. And those were words that like, bing, okay, like, uh, you know, an event coordinator understands those. They're like, right, okay, right. yep, we're good for that. Yes, please, we will do that. Or, you know, even for some, some of the bigger events, like the ones I've gotten paid the most for, it was like social media strategy, which is such a bummer to say right now. But back in the day when I was getting started and I just wanted to do this and make money doing it, that's what people were paying money for. And they needed the people who could do that. And now I would get up there and I wouldn't tell anybody how to tweet. I wouldn't tell anybody how to do things on Facebook. I would tell my stories and then they would go, oh, this is interesting. A social media strategy isn't just how many times you tweet in a day and what time you do it. It's coming up with interesting things to use as content and like how to put them out there and, and all this stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a good mix of you know, my story and what I was doing. But really early on, it was more just finding the thing that people needed that they understood and then running with that as much as I possibly could. Gotcha. But incorporating some of your own stuff into that. So finding the need yep. and the topic that people are interested in, but kind of 
putting wrapping it around your you know your own story and your own flavor to it. So uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that you have made a big pivot in how speaking fits into your business at all. Talk about that today. Like fast forward to now, you were doing a lot of speaking before, and now you've decided to make speaking kind of a different part of your business. So kind of talk us through that, what you're doing and why. Yeah, so I decided kind of the end of last year. So actually, let's. I want to tell a very quick story about the power of reaching out to your network. So um, as I was saying that, I remembered I sent an email out to my like email list, you know, which wasn't very big. It was like two thousand people at the time. I think two years ago, and I just said, "Hey, I'm looking for more public speaking gigs. Like you guys all know me. You get my emails. If anybody knows of any events, like feel free to point me in the direction. You don't need to pitch me or anything. I'll handle all that." And I got an email back from a guy who just was a, you know, a subscriber for a long time. I was like, oh, Jason, like you've given me so much value. I'd love to introduce you to this company. So it makes the introduction. I get on the phone with them that day. They book me for one event that day and it was 5,000 bucks for the event. And uh, the event, I think it was like six months away. So I, I do the event. It goes really well. I didn't think anything else was going to come of it. And then about a month later, I'm walking to a movie theater with my girlfriend and my phone rings and it's a number I didn't know. And I was like, hmm, who is this? I'll take this really quickly and just, you know, see what it is. And I pick it up and it's that event again. And they're like, Jason, we want to book you for the next like six events that we're doing. Same price we paid you. So I literally made like $35,000 from this one email introduction that was so powerful, right? And so the reason I bring that up is because that was two years ago. So, you know, I was doing events in 2014, a good amount. I think I did about, you know, 15 to 20 that year. In 2015, I only did the ones that I had to do. And then I had a TEDx event that I did as well. So I had four paid events. I had one TEDx event. And I just started to realize that I wasn't getting as much personal value out of public speaking anymore. You know, I'd done not as much as you, not as much as a lot of people, but you know, that doesn't matter. It, what matters is what, what you get out of it. And so I just started realizing, like, I'm getting up on stage and I'm loving that part of it, but I'm not enjoying the travel, the being away, the trying to run my business on the road, you know, just all the stuff that goes along with that. And I'm like, why am I forcing myself to do this? Why don't I just take a break for a while? You know, the other thing for me too, towards the end of, especially last year, is I felt like I was just saying the same stories over and over again. Like, Yes, the I your shirt story is really cool. Yes, selling my last name is ridiculously crazy. You know, now I've got this buy my future thing I'm doing. But all of that to me, I say it so often. You know, like it's a story that I tell so many times that it just started to feel normal. And I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way that that felt. And I didn't feel like I should do that on stage and get paid for that. So what I've basically decided to do is just take an indefinite hiatus from speaking. And I've turned, I've turned down like, of course, this is how it happens, right? I've turned down probably 15 speaking gigs this year. All of them paid, all, you know, all of them would have been probably great for me and for my business and everything else. But I just have decided that I don't want to tell the same stories. I want to live life for a little while. I want to create some new stories, some new experiences. I want to do some new things. And I want to focus on just enjoying the life that I built for myself. And then I'll bring public speaking back in when it feels like it's going to be the right fit. I like that. And I think uh, I think this, the, there's a couple key things that you said there that most people, especially when you're getting started with speaking that you don't you don't think about. You know, oftentimes we look at the, you know, that that one hour that you're on stage and that's glamorous. Like that's sexy. Mm-hmm. People are listening to you. People want to take pictures with you. People want your autograph. All these like weird bizarre things traveling it seems fun, but there's also the downside of Traveling is not as glamorous as it may seem. And it's, you know, getting on another plane or staying in another hotel or being away from your, you know, friends, family, whoever, there's a real downside to it. And speaking can be, it can be very, very lonely. You spend a lot of time by yourself. You spend a lot of time just 
sitting and waiting. Uh, and even like you said, on the, uh, the business side, while you're speaking, the business, you know, other things that you may be doing still have to continue to run. And it's hard to find any type of rhythm or routine when you're just going from city or city or time zone to time zone and just trying to keep up with everything that you're doing. Uh, plus, like you said, a lot of times when you're speaking, you're giving oftentimes the same type of presentation. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's the first time that the audience has seen it, that it may be the hundredth time that you've told that story. And so it, it's hard to keep it fresh for you. And so I think the key point here is to, not just with speaking, but with anything, but to, to do it as long as it's fun. And if it's not fun anymore, then there's no reason, there's no shame in not doing it and to cut back on it uh, if you don't you know, if you don't enjoy it anymore. Or if it's, you know, it served its purpose and it kind of ran its course and you're ready to pivot and go a, a different direction. I think I think that's totally fine. Yeah, and you know, there's there's always this interesting like mental battle that happens with okay, I can make really good money with this, but and you know, like, but I don't enjoy it a hundred percent. Maybe I should still keep doing it. And you're so right. I mean, so many times we make these decisions, and I think especially as people who own their own business, right? People who run their own thing, you don't necessarily work for somebody else, so you're already saying to yourself, "I want to make all the decisions. I want all the control." Well, why would you give up that control just for a little bit of money? Like there are so many other ways that I know I can make money. I mean, I make money in such weird, ridiculous ways that I just started thinking more about this. And I'm like, the money is not the important thing for me. The important thing is that I deliver good value to people when I'm on stage and then I feel good about it, you know, and and I knew I was still doing half of those, uh, but I wasn't doing the other half. So yeah, you know, and it's funny as you started, as you listed out like all the things, I was just thinking of every terrible hotel I've sat in with right. awful Wi-Fi. You know, every airport that I've had, you know, delays or every airplane that I've been on that I've just been crammed into a seat. We talked about how, you know, Sasquatch size I am. But it, it's just one of those things where you don't see all of those things until you start doing it. And like you said, it feels glamorous when you're up there on stage. And it is really, it's a blast. It is so much fun to do it. But you know, for me, like I said, this is not, I'm not saying I'm done forever. And I'm also not saying like, I'm the best speaker ever. Like I, you know, I deserve a break. I'm just saying for me, this is a decision I'm making. And that I think other people should do these gut checks themselves as well at times. You know, do you really want to be doing this thing? Does this thing bring you immense value? Do you feel like you have control over the decisions you're making or is money driving those decisions and go from there? And just, it's a constant reflection process. And so yeah, I'm excited to take a break. I'm excited to keep working on all the crazy business stuff I'm working on. And, you know, maybe I'll come back in two years or maybe I'll come back. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll get the bug in six months and I'll start doing it again. But for right now, I'm just really excited to just be on this path that I'm on. You uh, you have our permission to be the Michael Jordan and uh, I'm retired. <laughs> nah, I'm back. Nah, I'm retired. Nah, I'm back. Ah, I'm, I'm going to do it like eight times. Just really confuse people. <laughs> Is he in? Do you, do you know, can we still hire Jason <laughs> yeah. or that? All right, let's talk about the uh, the sponsorship thing. So first of all, give us some context of uh, how you kind of figured some stuff out on this sponsorship, and then we'll start to dive in about how we can apply this as speakers. Yeah, so I basically got my sponsorship kind of journey started with this I Wear Your Shirt business. And essentially, I got 1,600 companies over five years to pay me to wear a t-shirt for a living. Then I had a sponsored road trip. I had a sponsored diet. I had a sponsored... Everything was sponsored. My last name, as we mentioned, I had a fully sponsored book with 204 sponsors. I mean, I've had over 2,000 sponsors. I've made almost $2 million in sponsorship revenue alone, just sponsorship money. And that's in, you know, that's in like a eight year span. So let's not say that's just last year. But 
it's been a really interesting journey because I didn't I didn't know what sponsorships were. It wasn't something that I just like read a whole bunch of books on and got good at. I, I've kind of fell into it. And like anything else in business, just like my public speaking, I feel like doing it that way really helped me figure out my way of doing it and not just copying what worked for somebody else. Because I think that when you copy and paste tactics or tips or anything else, it never works the same way. Like you have to find your own flavor of how that thing works for you. So Sponsorships have been really interesting for me and, and I, you know, over the years I have figured out, okay, I do have a process for this. I do have a system for this. There are certain steps that I take along the way. They're, they're different for every client or potential client that I pitch, but there is the same kind of framework that I go through that helps people do this. And so, you know, I eventually created a course about it and, you know, I've written a bunch of blog posts about it and just created a bunch of things around how other people can do this. But I will preface this because I want it to be clear and I like to be honest. Getting sponsorships is hard. It's not easy. It's basically doing sales. And if you're not up for following up with people, being persistent, you know, really going after this stuff, then sponsorships aren't for you. But if you've got a little bit of fight in you, if you're interested and you're willing to do a little bit of hard work, you can make a good amount of money. You could partner with some incredible people and you can build some amazing relationships and businesses through sponsorships. It sounds really similar to basically like speaking gigs right? <laughs> it really it, like, it so is like right? on the on the surface you're like oh it's just easy you just you know yeah like, you send an email or you put up a website and a blog post and wait for the phone to ring but it's like nah a lot more to it if you're willing to do the work you can get the results and i think that's where a lot of people uh like it's 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 almost one of those things that's like it's competitive but it's not because most yeah. people aren't willing to, most people are interested but they're not willing to do the work and so it makes it a lot easier whenever you can you can separate yourself from from the pack on that so kind of talk us through then what is that framework if i have a good idea if i'm listening i'm like okay i have a good idea of who i speak to and what it is that i speak about um i am a uh let's just say i'm a leadership speaker who speaks at to uh insurance agents all right how would i then go about going how do i find someone to sponsor me and what would that even look like? Yeah. So I'm going to give you, I mean, the quickest rundown I possibly can because there's a bunch of stuff, but I've written a pretty long in-depth blog post about this. And so I'll offer two things up. If people want to email me, and this isn't like an opt-in bribe or anything crazy. If you just want to email me, hello at jasondoesstuff.com, I will send you number one, a PDF that will help you build your value proposition, which is super easy. And, and uh, number two, I will give you a link to my blog post. You can put it in the show notes too, if you want to my like how to get sponsorships for anything blog post that kind of breaks this down. But I'll give you the quick overview because I don't want to lose people as I get too far into the weeds. But the first thing you need is a value proposition. So what is it? I've said that multiple times. It's your elevator pitch. It's how you know how you're pitching your value to someone who's going to give you money for something. So if you're trying to get a speaking gig, if you're trying to get a sponsorship, you need to clearly explain to people what the mission is, like why you're doing it, why you're different you know, who your target audience is, who your message is going to really resonate with. You need to be able to explain what are the benefits of paying you, that person, to be there. You know, what is a company going to get from that? You know, the second thing is that you you start with your contact list. You don't go out and you don't just start pitching every insurance agency or every other thing. No, go to your contacts because, again, these people, they trust you. They, they believe in you. They love you. They want to help you. And you just start sending them simple emails. You start explaining. You take your value proposition that you've pre-written because there's a bunch of questions that you can answer that I give people. But 
And then you take bits and pieces of that and you email those people and you say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I think I can provide immense value. Do you know anybody who could use this service, whether it's me getting sponsored or me getting a public speaking gig? These things are going to go hand in hand with this. I already know it. Then you build a spreadsheet to kind of keep track of this, right? Because you need to keep track. You can use a fancy software if you want. I don't use software. Uh, I know people who use Trello and love it or people who use Basecamp. I literally just use a Google spreadsheet. And I write down all the people I've emailed. I write down if they responded. And then I set up a column for follow-up emails. And I follow up with people. And I'm persistent. And it's because I want these things, sponsorships or speaking gigs, more than I'm afraid of the work that goes into doing them. So then I start sending follow-up emails. And I use a tool called followup.cc. It's free to use. You just put in your email. I mean, it's so helpful. You can use Boomerang for Gmail. There's another one. But I have a follow-up schedule. So I'll send the first email to my contacts if I haven't heard from them in like three days because they're my contacts. I'll follow up. And I plan this stuff. And I build a plan for it. You know, and then once I start to get a couple names and emails of people that my friends introduce me to because it will happen. And don't post on social media. That's another thing. Email your friends. And if you don't know your friends' email addresses, go into your inbox right now and scroll down. You will find everybody you need that you need to email right there. They're all sitting there waiting. So I thought I, you were going to say, if you don't have their email, they're not your real friend. <laughs> <laughs> that too, yes. If you, if you don't know their email, then yeah, you shouldn't reach out to them. But then, yeah, then once you have a list of people, like actual people that you can pitch your sponsorship to that have been recommended to you or introduced to you, then you kind of take your value proposition, you bring it back around, and you create your pitch. And you send your pitch to these people on why you're going to blow their minds with your talk or why a sponsorship is going to be a good fit for them and the money that they spend is going to give them a good return and what is that return that you're offering. And so you answer all these questions for them that they're going to ask you inevitably. But when you show up in their inbox and you say, hey, here's an awesome opportunity. And that's a subject line I've used for years that has worked so well. Here's an awesome opportunity because I think it is awesome. So I believe in myself. And then I, li- I list out, this is what I want to sponsorship for. This is who you are. And I clearly identify, I know who they are. This is who I am. And this is what I think we can do together. And then I follow up. And it's this cycle, right? I mean, you can, you can, if you're paying attention, I know it's a lot of stuff, but you can see it kind of go in this circle of life, if you will, sponsorship, speaking life. And it works extremely well. And I'll tell you, you know, there may be some people listening who are like, oh, I don't want to be like, you know, overbearing in people's inboxes. I don't want to follow up too much. I have never had a person respond to me and say, Jason, you followed up too much. I've had people respond and say, thank you for following up. My email inbox is a crazy place. Or I was out of the office last week. Or I got really busy and I forgot about your email. People need following up with. They're busy just like we are. That's uh, it's funny you brought that up. I was on a podcast interview this morning and they were asking what's you know a simple success hack that has worked for you and i was like following up with people works oh my really gosh. well because nobody does it yep. but just following up with people and staying on top of it and again not in a stalker harassing way but just uh i know you're busy i know you have yep. a lot going on but let me just ping this back to the top of your inbox here and let me know if you have any questions and just simple stuff like that makes it makes a huge difference so whenever you're pitching something are you coming right out and saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm expecting you to do for me. Or how does that kind of like, how do you begin that dance? Yeah. You know, I actually do a little bit of, uh, of AB testing, if you will, to use a little industry term. I'll take, let's say I have 30 email addresses from people that I've been introduced to or that I know. And so I basically take them in blocks of 10. So one email pitch I'll send basically just like a, a just a really quick, hey, would love to chat with you about this. Uh, are you interested? Email like super short. Just want to see if I can get a response. Second 10, I'll be a little bit more in depth. You know, hey, here's what I'm working on, blah, blah, blah. 
Third 10, I mean, I'm direct. I am to the point. Here's how much I charge. Here's what this opportunity is worth. You know, this sponsorship is this, or here's three tiers of a sponsorship. Let's do some business. And I wouldn't say that at the end, but I think you get it. Right, right. And and then what I do is I look at those those groups and I go, which one responded in the best way, which to me is they're paying me money for the thing I want to get paid for. And whichever one that is, then I go, okay, now I'm going to move forward with that one, that that test that worked with everybody else. And I'm going to keep emailing for whatever this thing is. That kind of little hack again, if you will, works really well. And what it takes is effort because you can't mass email that. You have to write those emails personally. You have to create context in every email. And that for me has been the thing that I think has been the, the winning like secret potion in my entire life, my entire career is that I just don't mass email. Even if I have a list of 200 people, I will hand type every single email with context to every person and I will say, hey, this is the thing I want. I know you. This is how we know each other. This is not a you know spam email, whatever. Let's do something. Like let's make this thing happen, and it just works. It pays off. Yeah, I do. I teach a lot of the same stuff with with speaking as well. Is that it's not just a I, I'm buying a list of a thousand potential leads and I'm just going to mass you know hit a button, which that's the easy path, but that doesn't that doesn't work for building relationships with other human beings. So yep. is it best to whenever you are, are like what's the upside for a sponsor? You know how can we provide value to them? Because for us, oftentimes the speakers is the general thing we're looking for is we, we want to get a check. You know I, I want to yep. speak at organization they can't afford my fee. Let's just say let's just say the fee is five thousand dollars they only have a budget of a thousand dollars i've got this organization over here that i think would be a good fit so what's the win for them yeah so i think that there's there's a good exercise here in just writing down again and i do this in the value proposition builder thing that i'm happy to give your your audience your listeners but is basically what are the tangible benefits i can give you know okay i can put their logo in my presentation if i'm up on stage i can you know mention them i can you know give a little bit of a, a, a blurb up on stage but what are the other things? Oh, I have an email list. You know, I, I could tell my email list in like a little PS, like, hey, PS, uh, by the way, I'm going to Pittsburgh to talk at this dental conference and I'm being sponsored by the Steelers. I mean, that would never happen. But you know what I'm saying? Like th- there are some extra Not with things. that attitude, it won't. <laughs> good, okay, good point. Yes, that could <laughs> happen for you. So I think that you have to just list out the things that you can do that may not just be the things you can do on stage. And then when you start to kind of pitch these things to people, you say like, okay, I'll mention you here. I'll do this. I'll throw this into my email, blah, blah, blah. And then and here, here is a secret that many people just don't know. And you may know this because you're super smart and you have experience is keep something off to the side. Don't tell them something. In your pitch when you're saying a sponsor, keep one thing. And maybe that's your email PS. Maybe that's something. Maybe it's a couple tweets. Maybe it's a a fun post on Facebook, whatever you want to do. But don't tell them you're going to do it. And when you land the deal, and no matter who it's for, then throw in the extra thing that they didn't expect. And that surprising and delighting has worked so well for me. I mean, it's just like people, they go nuts for it because they're like, oh, I had no idea you were going to do this. Thank you so much. Oh, we saw some extra bump from it. Yay, here's more money. You know, then we just both have a money party throwing money at each other. And then I collect it all because I want the money. But (laughs) so you have to be able to list out specific things that you can do that you have control of and that you can offer that will bring them value. And so, like I said, you know, email us, social mentions, but maybe there's a lot of other things you can do. Maybe it's like a free call for them about them. You know, there's an interview you could do. If you have a podcast, you could have them on your podcast. I mean, there's a lot of different things. You just have to be able to list out everything you can do and how they could be attached to it. If you're making some type of like initial cold pitch, is there any, like there's a lot you do to offer value, but is there any way to kind of research and know like what, what would be the win for them? You're, you're, you're not, you're pitching something 
thing that they actually want, like pitching something just like you could do, but it's like, yeah, we don't really care about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think for for the bigger sponsorships I've tried to get in my life, I have really dug deep into like their social media accounts or into like their website, their mission statements. Um, I've even looked at like some of the marketing that they've done. I've tried to find articles about them and I've tried to find gaps or I've tried to find interesting things that I could fill, that I could I could do for them. Or if I at least know like, hey, this is their goal. This is the campaign that they're running right now. I can be a part of this in some way. And so I would say for bigger sponsorships, that's a great thing to do. For maybe smaller sponsorships, and, and uh, let's, let's just throw numbers out there. So I would say in the like $500 to $5,000 range, you should do some research, but you don't need to go like super in-depth. But if you're looking for like a ten dollars to a $50,000 sponsorship, you should go in-depth and you should see how like what problem are they putting out into the world that they are trying to solve and how can I help them do that. And you also have to be honest with yourself. If you can't, that's okay. Don't try and like force a square peg into a round hole. It's not going to happen. And it's only going to make you look bad if you can't deliver on that. But if you realize, you know what, my audience aligns well with this, or I know three people who run companies that could like use their software and I could make these introductions, you know, a sponsorship tends to be a lot of like, Hey, I'm, I'm just, you know, to really clearly state it, I'm putting on a t-shirt for this company, right? Like, look at this company. They're, they're sponsoring me, but that sponsorship is just a partnership. So if you can make introductions, that alone is worth the value of you being attached to that company as well. How do you know who to contact within a company? Like, I mean, most companies don't have like a department of sponsorship opportunities or whatever. And, and, and it's one thing, like if you're starting with like, you know, your initial contact list and I've got a friend or I've got a, you know, uh, an uncle who works there. And so that's my end where they can point me in the right direction. But if I just want to reach out to some major corporation or brand that I think would be a good fit, I want to reach out to Coca-Cola. Where do I even begin to, to reach out to someone like that? So this is funny. I, I did this a different way, but I recently learned from uh, this guy, Matt Giovanisi, who we relaunched my sponsorship course recently. Mm-hmm. And he showed me this like little hack that he figured out on Google where you can basically search the domain name of a company. You throw that the at symbol in front of their domain. It, it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast. There's a video on YouTube. If you just search like how to find an email using Google, I can give you a link you can put in the show notes. So that's one way because that's a way if you're like, I have a list of 10 companies that I know I want to work with or potentially work with? How do I find emails of their companies? That way will work. The other way, and what I've done for years, is basically I will go to LinkedIn or I will go to you know their Twitter profile and I'll reach out through there and I'll start the conversation there. And I never did it through LinkedIn, but I only ever looked on LinkedIn to see like, you know, are they on Twitter? If they're not on Twitter, you know, where are they? Uh, and I would try and reach out to them through social media instead of trying to like figure out their email address or, you know, any of those things. That for me has worked really well. And the the kind of last resort, so you have those two, which I think are very easy. The last resort, and I would say this is only if you're desperate because I don't love telling people to do this, but it does work really well, is email the support email for that company and just say, hey, can you introduce me to somebody in sponsorships or marketing? I'm just looking to talk to someone about something. It is a customer service person's job to do what? Support you. Right. So they want to do their job well. So they go, oh, sure, that's Mark. I know Mark. He's in this company as well. I know his email. It's in the directory. Here you go, Mark, blah, blah, blah. And you get their email. Now, it's a, it's kind of a little bit of like a, you know, going behind the back door, you know, getting in there. But I don't mind doing that sometimes, especially for bigger companies where you're just like, how am I going to ever find this person? You know, I have no idea. I don't know who they are. And I've never had I, – I want to preface this as well or maybe post this, not preface. But 
I've never had someone say, how did you find my email? That was a really terrible way to do it. No, they've, I've always tried to deliver value in, when I'm sending them an email and pitching them. So it works to do that. But I would just say try the first two versions first, the little Google hack or just looking, you know, looking them up on social media and trying to contact them there first. Is it a typical like, title or department that you're looking for? So Twitter search is really good for this because I think you can I think you can still search. I mean, I haven't done it for years, but you used to be able to just search like in their bio, you could search marketing manager or you could search like sponsorships or you could search like advertising manager. And so I would just put those phrases in and then it would show me the accounts that had those phrases in their actual bios. Uh, so that worked really well. You know, the other thing that you can do too is a lot of times the parent company, so let's just say like MailChimp, for example, on Twitter, MailChimp typically follows its employees. So you can go through who they follow and you can find the accounts that way as well. And that's just a weird thing that companies do. Like they follow their own employees or they have lists. So I think Twitter is actually a really great place to go to find people. I, I've done that for years. When I got started, Twitter was so big for me in just searching for people and finding companies. Interesting. And I think, again, just to reiterate, like these are a lot of the types of hacks and just tactical things that you can do. I'm looking for decision makers for speaking engagement. So sometimes yep. it, you know, it is the marketing department. So sometimes it's the, it's the same people. So all very valuable stuff. All right. Let's, um, oh, and you mentioned a couple different resources there that we'll link up to in the, in the show notes, but let's wrap up with this. I, uh, I started to, uh, to set you up for this, but you, you <laughs> insisted that I not. So here's my last question for you as a speaker, who's done a lot of speaker, Tell us about a time where it couldn't be worse than this. Tell us about a time where you bombed or the audience was horrible or you had a terrible client or just give us some type of nightmare speaker story. You got one? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't have any like crazy bad ones. I wish I did for this specific moment. I do have one that I remember and the only reason that I actually remember it is because someone videotaped it, like a fan from the audience. And luckily it didn't get posted online. They just emailed me the video and it wasn't terrible. But it was probably like my third or fourth speaking gig and it was the biggest place I'd ever done a talk. It was in like a college auditorium. And so there must have been like 500 to 1,000 seats. And it wasn't full but it was about half full and I remember just being like petrified. And I stood behind the podium, Grant, and I held on to the podium for dear life like <laughs> like the thing was going to fall off of a ship and I just couldn't let go. And you can see by the end of it – I mean I could see because I have the video – that my knuckles were like bright white <laughs> by the end of it. I did not move from behind the podium. And I'm a speaker who moves around, who goes around like I'm always moving. I'm never standing – and so it's just me like white knuckling this podium the whole time. And I just I remember watching it back and it was so cringeworthy for me. Maybe no one else noticed, but it was actually that moment that I also took away from like a bad experience. Like I'm glad I saw that because I've never stood behind a podium since then. Like I refuse to because I don't want to ever be that, you know, position again. So it's not terrible, but it was just one of those things I watched it back. I was like, that must have just looked awkward for the like 45 minutes I was on stage not letting go of the podium. But it's helpful to hear those things of going like it's easy to you know to to see you and where you got a lot of experience today and you're like oh he's you yeah. know, super comfortable and say it's natural and and he just seems very very confident but like there was times where oh yeah was <laughs> I was hiding, the podium hiding behind life. the podium also it didn't hide me very well at all as we mentioned I'm, I'm much bigger than the podium but yeah I I think about that now and I'm like what a silly thing but you know it happens to, to all of us we all have those stories absolutely all right let's wrap up with this where can we find out more about you if people want to check out what you're up to all the various uh, projects that you got happening where can we go 
Yeah, jasondoesstuff.com is the easiest place. And if, if sponsorships are something that people are really interested, they want to learn everything I've learned, uh, I'll throw a pitch out there to getsponsorships.co. Uh, just recently relaunched all my courses, added a bunch of lessons and things. There's no hard pitch. I'm not even going to give you like an opt-in thing or whatever. Just if you want to check it out, it, it's a really, really good course. It's helped a lot of people get a lot of sponsorship money and things they've done. And uh, it's just been really helpful for me to be able to build a process that works and then share that with the world. So those are the two things. I think I've got an interview in there too, don't I? You do have an interview in how to make money with a podcast in an interesting way and very proud to have you. You were one of four interviews, so you're in good company. And yeah, you guys want to hear more Grant Baldwin? You can check it out in the podcast sponsorship course. Boom. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll link up to that. So, All right, dude. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Jason Zook. That guy's smart, huh? Smart guy, funny guy, just I'm telling you all around good dudes. Definitely check out what he's up to. If you've got additional questions about sponsorships that you'd like to learn some more on, be sure and let us know. You can let us know in the comments of the show notes page. Just so you know, you can find the show notes for any single episode that we do over at thespeakerlab.com slash podcast. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash podcast. Go to whatever episode that you're interested in there and uh, leave us your questions, comments, cares, concerns, any of that stuff. And we, uh, we will try to answer that for you on the, uh, on the, the show notes page there. Also be sure and subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to have you, uh, not miss a single episode. We do a lot of these. We'd love to have you, uh, join us each time we do one. And then finally, if you haven't already, be sure and register for our next live workshop online. You can do that by going to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. Register for that. And we would love to hang out with you online, teaching you all about how to find and book speaking engagements. So definitely register for that again at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 48 and we will see you tomorrow with episode 49. You're awesome. 